Good to be back on Entend after a long break from doing the pod. Myself and Joe are back with you today to discuss some hockey news that has serviced in the last couple weeks since we last recorded. That was like two months ago. It feels like an eternity, but there's been lots of signings, injuries, and breaking news to talk about. So, uh, Joe, you get to pick what we discuss here on the uh, 38th installment of Entend. So you you, you tell us what we're going to do first. So first... I want to talk about the fact that we are actually getting hockey back. So this was not even like confirmed until like honestly like two or three weeks ago, which is a miracle that the NHL is finally going to return back in action. First game starting January 13th, which is literally three weeks today, I believe, or two weeks today. Yeah, today's the 30th Wednesday. Yeah, two weeks today. And it's a 56-game season, so it's a little bit weird because it's not like a the lockout one where we had 48 eight extra games. And the biggest change, obviously, this year is the new divisions, that being the North, the East, the West, and the Central. So, Thomas, who are in these new divisions now? Yeah, so in the North division, we have every Canadian team possible. So Calgary, Edmonton, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Vancouver, Winnipeg. That is probably the most fun division i would say in hockey right now then in the west we have anaheim arizona colorado los angeles minnesota san jose st louis vegas and the central carolina chicago columbus dallas detroit florida nashville tampa and then in the east it is a very hard competition uh division with boston buffalo new jersey the islanders rangers philadelphia pittsburgh and the washington capitals so i mean two of the divisions are mm, Meh. They have some good teams sprinkled in there, some mediocre teams, and some bad teams sprinkled in there. And then the East, it's basically full action, full competition. Every team is gunning for that playoff spot. And the North Division, well, you can't get anything better than Canadian hockey. So that is going to be a tight, fun division to watch as well. Yeah, this year, the divisions are going to be so interesting, especially, like you said, the North Division. All seven Canadian teams in a division for basically just this one season is going to make it like extra like memorable. Because since like the rules of the playoffs has changed as well, there's basically a Canadian team that's going to be at least one Canadian team that will be in the conference finals at the very least, which is awesome to see because last time that happened was obviously Winnipeg in 2018. But this year we're guaranteed a Canadian team in the conference finals, which is nice. Mm-hmm. And just like overall, like the East is clearly the hardest division, mm-hmm. I think. The North's hard, too, because you have six legitimately pretty good teams, and then you have mm-hmm. Ottawa. But Ottawa is, like, no slouch anymore because they made so many additions uh, during this offseason. Of course, like, their draft, like, Tim Stutzla is going to be there most likely opening night. So, like, they have a lot of picks that they had, that draft picks that will be playing for them this season, I think, and all these offseason additions. So Ottawa's not going to be that bad either. And then, like I said, like the East is the hardest because you basically move Boston into the Metro Division. Essentially, mm-hmm. the West is by far the weakest. Like, there's three locks being uh, Vegas, Colorado, St. Louis. Those are like pure locks. And then, like I think, uh, well, once we get to our predictions, that one of the California teams will definitely bounce back and make that like fourth seed in that uh, division. So I kind of like how the NHL did this because, of course, due to the virus, they don't want to do like the bubble like they did to finish off last season. So they're kind of doing like what the NBA and like MLB did. 
So just doing like no fans and all that stuff. But since there's so many Canadian teams in the NHL, having the North Division was almost like a no-brainer. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll keep tabs on that throughout the whole year. Um, I guess we could get into signings. We talked about the signings for the Sens. I guess we could get into them first if you want. Sure. Or trades, actually. The two trades that they made recently. Yeah, so the one, the big one that they did recently was trading away the Gabrick contract and the Nielsen contract to the Tampa Bay Lightning in exchange for Braden Coburn and Cedric Paquette. So on the surface, it seems like they helped Tampa, which they definitely did. But adding Paquette and Coburn, like pure vets to the lineup, like I said, is part of their additions. And like they're at such low cap hits, so cheap-ass Melnick is not going to cry about that. And plus it adds depth to their team so they don't have to play so many like AHLers like they did last year. And then for Tampa, they just throw Gabrick and Nielsen onto long-term IR and that saves them over $3 million in cap space. And they're still over the cap even with another injury that we'll be discussing shortly. And then their other trade that Ottawa did was acquiring Derek Stepan from the Arizona Coyotes. So with Stepan, he has, a, I believe, a $6 million cap hit. But uh, most of that was in bonuses, I believe. So his actual money to be paid is like $2 million, which is just a pure Melnick contract to get. And it definitely increases their center depth because it was terrible even before adding Stefan because he's definitely going to be a t- one of their top two centers because mm-hmm. Colin White was awful last yeah. year. And then Chris Tierney is not really a second line center so adding him just adds more center depth to the team yeah i agree it's they de- they definitely got better this offseason there's no denying that if you, if you think they didn't get better or if anyone listening like I, you're just crazy because all adding all these players yeah maybe they're not all good players but you definitely added some pieces that tells the locker room we're going to kind of compete because who knows anyone can win the leafs have struggled against the Sens last last few years and winning by one goal even so I mean, this just makes it harder on the, all, all the other Canadian teams to get a win versus Ottawa now. So um, I think that's it from the Ottawa standpoint. But we talked about the trade they made with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And the player who got injured for the Tampa Bay Lightning is Nikita Kucherov. He will miss the entire regular season with a hip injury. It's, that just sucks from the Tampa Bay standpoint. And I hear all these things on Twitter like, oh, they got luck out. They got uh, jail out of free, car- free out of jail card from uh, this to sign Sorelli, and I don't think that's the case. I think you'd rather Kucherov be in your lineup than uh, shedding some salary and cap space, don't you think? Of course. Like, Tampa, the only... Tampa, to get rid of the cap space, they would have wanted... They wanted to get rid of Tyler Johnson. They still do. Not get rid of, arguably, their best yeah, forward. exactly. And Kucherov, even though he's making over 9.5 mil. I mean, I'd rather have him than to save cap space, like you said. So this is a big loss for the team. They have so much depth, and they obviously, after this news broke, they immediately signed Sorelli, which we'll get to shortly when we talk about the signings. But still, like this is a big loss to the top six for sure. Mm-hmm. And especially, well, they're in the, they're now in the new central division, like you mentioned. So it's not going to hurt them too, too bad. But he is projected to come back during the playoffs. So that's the only positive out of this. But Still, it's a big loss for the team overall. Yeah, let's hope he comes back stronger than ever. And there's still a Stanley Cup contender without him. It's crazy to say, but it's true. So we've seen it done with Stamkos out. They won the Stanley Cup. So hopefully it's the same kind of standpoint for the Tampa Lightning without Kucherov now. And then um, Chicago, the last few days, have gotten really bad injuries. So just to quickly mention, Alex Nylander got injured. I think he's out for four to five months, like the other centerman that got injured in the World Junior pre-game uh the exhibition game that they played kirby doc will be out four to five months with a wrist injury 
just a fluke of a play and hit to get injured on. You saw he was wincing going into the locker room, throwing his gloves, throwing his stick everywhere. So you knew the outcome was going to be bad, and it kind of sucks because he was the captain and he was the best player in this tournament, but unfortunately he couldn't play with Team Canada. And yeah, it's going to kind of have a consequence to the Chicago Blackhawks. He'll be out long-term. And then Jonathan Taze yesterday will miss the start of the season. I think it's going to be longer, to be honest. It might be the full regular season. Uh, with an illness it might be vertigo I don't know but it's not an illness you want upon a player especially at his stature the captain of their team just terrible news for the Blackhawks these past couple days I know it seems like ever since they won that series versus Edmonton in the bubble the play-in series it's been all downhill for the team when they didn't uh they traded away Brandon Saad they didn't resign Crawford and then Taves spoke to the media publicly about you know, not being told that there was going to be a rebuild and all this stuff. So there's already bad blood between the captain and the upper management of the Blackhawks. And now Taves himself is suffering some sort of illness. They haven't disclosed what it is. Like, I, there's rumors, like you said, this it might be vertical. That's similar to what Corey Crawford had a few years ago, which is kind of strange. And then, like, Kirby Doc's a big blow. Like, that's two big blows to the top six. Then Nylander's in the top nine. Like, they're going to be terrible this year. They didn't address their goaltending at all. It's going to be Colin Delia and Malcolm Subban for the whole season. Their defense is terrible still. Even though they have Boquist, Keith still there. Um, Seabrook's like a pylon at this point if he plays. But And then it's basically Patrick Kane, Dylan Stroman, Debrinkat. That's going to be the entire team. So they're going to be so bad, Chicago, this year. They might finish last overall, I think. <laughs> Well, I mean, the plan was to be bad, but not this bad. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, they're just going to be terrible. Like, they're just terrible right now. Yeah, terrible state for the Blackhawks. And, like, I don't even know what's going on with Seabrook. Like, the guy's Cade, man. I know. The guy looks like he was, like, 260 a couple months ago, and now all of a sudden he's back to training. Like, that guy's, like, on a... I don't know. I think he's just Cade. Yeah, just keep him on long-term IR. I'm sorry, Seabrooks, but um, I think that's it from the Chicago standpoint. They're probably going to be ending up bad. In, uh, in this year and probably draft top three so hopefully they get a good player out of it and another good player who was in the top three went first overall was Nico Heischer a few years ago and he's going to be out for the start of training camp due to leg injury I would probably say he's going to be the next captain of the Devils but I mean that might be a stretch to some people but it's a big loss for them their number one center so hopefully he gets back up and running before the season starts but it's going to be cutting close yeah, I agree. So the Devils, they have so much cap space still. And like I feel like they could have signed some other guys to kind of help bolster the top six, top nine. But I, I don't really know the, the direction. Obviously, they're in rebuild mode. But like there's just so many players on that team, like veterans. Like you have P.K. Subban, Travis Zajac, Paul Mary. Like, well, Paul Mary and Zajac are on. Like, like they only have one year left. So they'll probably flip them at the deadline most likely. So, like, I think there's just still going to be more rebuilding for New Jersey overall. Now we're going to get into some of the signings that have happened, specifically RFA signings. So, like we said before, so Kucherov was placed on long-term IR for Tampa, and Sorelli signed immediately a three-year deal with about 4.8 AAV. So it's about $14.4 million, I believe, mm -hmm. over three years. So that's a good deal for him, obviously. Those Tampa Bay, man, they just keep stealing yeah. money and players and just keep winning games. Like Point is on like a $6.5 million deal or something for another two years, I think. 
so they just keep somehow signing these RFAs to low to bridge deals that keeps their window open still, mm-hmm. which is just amazing. And then another RFA that was signed, this one was a really good deal, I think, was Ethan Bear of the Edmonton Oilers for a two-year deal worth four million total, so two million per year. What do you think of these signings? Yeah, the Sorelli one's incredible because obviously you've got him on three years of bridge. Obviously, couldn't go long term with him because he probably wanted a lot more money than four point eight. But after this deal, he's still an RFA, which is incredible. I think that's the best part of the deal because you're gonna still negotiate with him. Just you can negotiate how long ever you want, and it's still gonna be Sorelli on your team. So I think that's a very appropriate deal for Sorelli and the Lightning. Obviously, could have got a bit more if he went long term, but hey, the Tampa Bay Lightning, as you said, keep doing it, and they keep running and keep gunning for the Stanley Cup. And then Ethan Bear, two years, two mil. I think that's appropriate. I mean. He waited a long time to get this deal, and I've, obviously it's probably not the ideal one he was looking for. Wanted long-term big money, but at the end of the day, if the state we're in and the NHL's in, I think it's a very solid deal for both sides, and hopefully he can grow with that decor they just put together. Edmonton Oilers, Clefbaum's going to be out. He's going to get more minutes than a chance to play with uh, the big boys, so... Yeah, I like both deals, and uh, hopefully both teams are pretty good this year. Yeah, I think they will be, for sure. So now we've got some retirement news to talk about. So this one was kind of surprising, and it's really like a bad overall outlook for the St. Louis Blues, and that's Alex Dean re- suddenly announcing his retirement like probably a week or two ago. So he still had one year left on his deal at almost $6 million per year. <laughs> if, if Steen decided to retire like a few weeks before... NHL free agency open with the beginning of October, then there is a very high chance that the Blues would have been able to re-sign Petrangelo because that mm-hmm. would have just opened six million for them. Yeah. So that's that's kind of like I don't know what to, th- to say about that because that's kind of like snake, but like he was there for like over ten years. Like yeah, it just yeah. it was so weird that the timing of it, but maybe it just came up suddenly when he was in the off season. We're not really sure, but I think it's like a neck or back injury that kind of forced him to retire. And then Callahan today, if, like even though he was on LTIR last year, he officially announced his retirement today. So he played for the Rangers and the Lightning over the course of 13 years. So pretty decent career for Callahan. Both players had great careers. Steen obviously won the Cup. I don't know if Callahan was credited with getting a ring for Tampa this past year, but two solid careers. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Callahan, I think he got, wasn't he got, didn't he get traded to... Yeah, I don't know. Cap, like, I don't, I don't remember. Know. Unless he was just I, on LTIR, but I have no clue. But that that sucks. He was a good, solid player for that Rangers Cup run. I remember. I think he was on their team still. No, he wasn't because St. Louis was on the team. That was the trade. So, But yeah, even on went, the Lightning. Yeah, he went to the Cup Final with the Lightning the next yeah. year. Yeah, exactly. So he just, yeah, he, he was a solid player. I mean, not the greatest skilled player, but just a solid captain when he was on the Rangers. Solid leader, solid depth kind of piece for a Cup winning team. So. I mean, he never got it, but hey, he retired. Um, and then Steen, obviously, <laughs> one of the infamous trades in Leafs history, goes the other way to the St. Louis Blues. And you know what? Every Leaf player kind of has success when they go to other teams, and that was one of the players that had success going to other teams. So obviously won the Stanley Cup a few years ago. He's been waiting that his whole career, and he got it at least, but sad to see him go and retire from uh, the Blues in hockey. So yeah, tough, but... Uh, their team also made a move, I guess because of that. And I guess we'll get into the signings now that happened the f- past few days. But this one was shocking because of the team this guy went to and the deal he got. Mike Hoffman, of all players, probably one of the biggest fishes on the free agent market, 
goes to the St. Louis Blues on a PTO. That is like, if I told you, if I announced this news a month ago, everyone would just say, you're crazy. And well, it is crazy. Hoffman goes to the Blues on a PTO of all deals. How and how and why did this happen, Joe? Well, it's not too weird because 2020 has been the worst year like of all time. So uh, nothing phases me anymore. But yeah, so him getting a PTO is so weird. Like I, I was so confused by the move. I had to like go on Twitter, like insiders basically had to kind of break it down. Even some of them were kind of confused. But basically what it means is that, so since Dean retired, like I said, we were talking about the Petrangelo money. So since obviously he's now with Vegas, uh, cap space opened up and, they, and Tarasenko, who we, I don't know if we mentioned like the last episode like a few months ago. He's going to miss the start of the year as well. I think another shol- shoulder injury. So they needed to bolster the top six again. So they the whole point of the PTO is that he can basically attend the Blues training camp. And then if he wants to sign with St. Louis, it, it, it's gonna be, it only could be a one-year deal worth between $3.5 and $4.5 million, which is just not good for Hoffman personally. But obviously a great deal for the Blues. Because they're getting a legit 30 goal scorer for like basically under 5 million. It's kind of sucks for Hoffman that he's only getting this deal because of the whole economics of the NHL and all this other stuff. COVID and all this. Player, teams didn't want to splash the money because mm-hmm. I guess he was looking for too many years. I think that's the problem. It was too many years for Hoffman. And I think the money would have been fine. But anyways, he's going to be most likely going to St. Louis, signing a one-year deal worth in between that range. Which is weird, but it is 2020, so... Yeah, I think he's going to fit good, too, because if Tarasenko's out, that power play spot that Tarasenko played, Hoffman's going to step in there no problem. He's a, He can score 30 goals. I mean, the past few years, I think last year was 29, and then the year before, I think it was 36. But Hoffman has told us the past few years, he can score goals. And when he's set up on the power play with that one-timer, it pretty much goes in all the time. So I'm excited to see what Hoffman could do on the uh, Blues, surround with all the great forwards and players they have. And obviously, you know, he's not the best five-on-five player in the NHL, but with the help of captain now Ryan O'Reilly, he could be on his wing and could help him in the defensive zone. So I'm excited to see Hoffman. Obviously, like you said, Joey wanted to go long-term with his deal, but unfortunately that will probably have to wait till next offseason. So that's uh, that's it from Hoffman and the Blues standpoint. We got some one-year deals, and we got a player who basically is the replacement for Hoffman on Florida. Anthony Duclair goes to the Panthers on a one-year deal worth, I think, 1.7. So I personally said on this on my other podcast that this is not a great replacement, but it was someone who was out there for cheap, and I think the Florida Panthers had to pounce on this opportunity to, to get Duclair. Obviously, he can't goal score as Mike Kaufman did. That's going to be a big loss for the Panthers, but it's a decent void to fill for uh, Mike Kaufman and Anthony Duclair. How about you? What do you feel about the signing? It's a good deal for the Panthers, but like this is what my thinking is. So Duclair could have probably got more, probably like at the beginning of free agency, chose not to, thought he was going to get a better deal, and he didn't, which is kind of his fault because I think he doesn't have an agent. I think he's self-represented. But then for the Panthers, like you basically lose Dadanoff and Hoffman, two of, two of your three best wingers on the team with Huberdeau for nothing, and you're just replacing him with Duclair. Like their top six took a major hit this offseason. And, like, they could have done a lot more to address it. Like, there's other, like, mediocre wingers out there. Like, this other winger, Andreas Athanasiu, they could have also signed to a one-year deal if they wanted, but he actually went to the LA Kings for about the same as uh, Duclair to the Panthers. So, that's another guy. Like, there's a lot of controversy surrounding 
Anthony's Juve because of his attitude and his defensive game, but just for pure goals, he could provide that still. So I don't know why they didn't go after at least both of them, but mm-hmm. it's good for the Kings that they got him because they need depth scoring as well because they're going to have a lot of mm-hmm. young guys in their lineup this year, I think. So having a quality winger like him it would help the cause. But overall, like just for the Panthers' point of view, like yeah, they got a good deal here, but they basically lost their two of their top three yeah. wingers for nothing. So. Yeah, that's that's the worst part about it. And they're like I've said before, it's going to be a bigger loss than people think for the Panthers. That's two guys who depth scored for you when Barkov and Huberto weren't scoring. So I'm gonna I'm really I'm excited and also concerned for the Panthers this upcoming season because if Bobrovsky can get on the train tracks and start getting it going they could be a good team but the two losses of Dadunov Hoffman are just going to hurt and I still think they will but we'll see next season and then with Athanasio as you said he signed a one-year deal with the Kings it's decent I mean he's not the best defensive forward out there but if you need some I guess speed in your lineup you got it right there in Athanasio with the Kings so like you said, they're going to be young. Hopefully, he gets surrounded by Kopitar and those young players and kind of steps it up because he hasn't been the same Athens U as a few years ago on Detroit. So, hopefully, we can see Athens U bounce back. And uh, with you, there's been two signings the past the past couple of weeks, and the Habs signed two players. If you want to mention it, go ahead. So all I th- all my only views on these are these are just pure depth and taxi squad in case anyone gets COVID or there's injuries you have legit NHL players that can replace them and that's Michael Frolik and Corey Perry which Perry I was pretty surprised about but they both signed one year deals worth league minimum 750k and like my thinking is just they're like taxi rotation players or like they'll just rotate on the fourth line here and there wingers get some games in but. Um, those are quality signings. I think they're still over the cap Montreal right now by over a yeah. million dollars. So I think they're either going to trade Jordan Wheel, who makes 1.7, or trade Paul Byron, who is a, one of the assistant captains, but he makes over $3 million to play on the fourth line. Like There's just too much depth mm-hmm. now that they have. It's Byron might be too expensive. I think Byron's going to go, unfortunately, for like maybe a third or fourth round pick. But... Um, those are just good depth signings that I like, but they're, they're they're nothing more than that in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Just they got they're like one point seven over, and they have LTIR or something cap. They got to get rid of someone. The two players you named are not perfect players to get rid of because obviously they're still pretty good and can play. But yeah, they might have to go because of these two signings that happened a couple last couple of weeks. So we'll see what happens on the Montreal standpoint. And uh, there's other RFA's that are still inside Matt Barzell and. Dubois are still kind of cooking at home by themselves and no word has been spoken about any extensions or what the extension can look like so if you had to predict like right now because obviously a few months ago that'd be different but if you had to predict right now what the money and kind of year term would be on these two players go ahead because I'm I don't know okay I think the Dubois one's a lot easier because Columbus, I don't know why they haven't gotten it done. They have so much cap space, and he's, like, by far their best forward. So, like, the, it's really strange that they haven't done it yet. Like, if I was Columbus right now, I don't know exactly how much cap space they have. Like, I'll pull it up right now. Yeah, they have 9.2. I would offer them, like, 8 for 8, like, right now. Like, I don't know what the big deal is. Like, <laughs> they don't have anyone else. Like, they traded uh, for Domi, who's going to be their second-line center for sure. So he's at, like, 5.3, I think, for only two years. Like, I, th- I know they have to sign Seth Jones very soon. Um, I yeah, think two he has years. One- yeah, two years. So, like, 
The Domi contract will end once the Seth Jones contract ends. And they signed a bunch of guys on one-year deals this past offseason, like Miku Koivu and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why they haven't offered. Like, he showed in the bubble, Dubois, that he is a, a first-line center. Maybe not the best in the league, but he's still only 22. And he hasn't had, like, the best supporting cast. Yeah. Well, especially last year. Well, he had Panarin and stuff for a few years. But he really broke out last year, especially in the bubble. So I think he's arrived as their first line center. Like even if it's like eight for eight, which is a lot for him, mm-hmm. but like they really don't have any other option at center. So that one, that's what I would offer him. And then for Barzell, like most likely, like ninety nine percent, I think is going to be a bridge deal similar to what Sorelli signed, like two to three years max, and maybe mm-hmm. like I know Boychuk retired. We haven't talked about that, but he announced his retirement. So that's six million dollars that the Islanders saved. Um, I don't know how much cap space they have, but it's not that much either. So for him, for Barzell, it might be seven year, seven million or so, maybe two, three years, seven and a half, maybe. Yeah. He, he's better than that, but I don't know how much the Islanders are gonna have yeah. for the cap space. Yeah. Well, they have um, they have three point nine right now, and the next couple <laughs> That's years. Horrible. Yeah, in the next couple of years, their their cap space doesn't get better because of the contracts they shine with Pajot, Bailey, Ladd, Eberle, Nelson, and Lee. Like that's seven six five 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 million dollar contracts. You just Jesus Christ. Like I don't know. You have to like I don't know what's their pick situation. They have a first this year. You might have to trade uh, Ladd in a first just to sign. Uh, Barzell, which is actually totally worth it because yeah, Barzell for hundred percent is is unbelievable, and they also traded for Dimitro Timoshov a few weeks ago, and he's an RFA as well, so he's not going to make a lot. But I'm just saying, like the the Islanders had some work to do, and really they traded Taves away for two seconds. Okay, you probably weren't going to end up signing him, but he's a good, solid player, NHL defenseman, and then you signed Pulak for two years at five, so. It's most likely, like you said, it's going to be a bridge deal because they can't go long-term with him, especially with the contracts they already have at long-term. So I don't know who they're going to trade because they need to get rid of someone, but it is not a good sign in the Islanders' situation right now. So I see it being uh, like short-term, maybe like $6 million because I don't know. Their situation is just terrible. And then with Dubois, I can totally see them going long-term, but... I don't know if Yarmo Kekalainen will go uh, long term. You should, but if it's a bridge deal, I could totally see it be around like five, six million dollars. So we'll see because they're two big RFAs that aren't off the books yet. So I'm just honestly excited to see what deals they can kind of get because the season's turning around the corner and we're starting to see it come to, to come to life. So hopefully these guys get signed and are in training camp and start playing NHL games soon. So I'm excited to see what they can get. Yeah, I think that's it from signing standpoint. Yeah, so one of the news that I completely <laughs> forgot. No, 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 this is not oh, the joke okay. one yet. The one I completely forgot that's actually like so bad is Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah, I can't. I forgot to put that in the notes, but like I just thought of it right now. So Lundqvist, who signed a one-year, one-point-five million-dollar deal with the Capitals this past off-season, now uh, his career is almost almost guaranteed to be over so he just had to withdraw from this upcoming season due to a heart condition and he just had open heart surgery like a few days ago so obviously he's out for the year but given his age he's going to be 39 in march i believe so like, yeah if he if he like 
is forced to retire by this. What a terrible way to go out. I mean, I know it's very bittersweet because you you don't want him to go out like this, but this kind of means that he retires as a New York Ranger technically because mm-hmm. he didn't play for Washington. So it's it it sucks a lot because he could have gotten. I think he was very close to 500 wins. I don't know yep. if he would have gotten it this year because he's just he probably would have been mostly the backup, but. It sucked because he's one of the best goalies of all time to never win a cup. And, like, he, he wanted to win with Washington. So just a sad way to go out if he does indeed, like, actually retire. Yeah, well, yeah, that, this sucks because Lundqvist is such, like, a like he's portrayed as such a great guy. And he does a lot of stuff for the community. I'm pretty sure he's been up for that. Uh, what's that award called? I forgot what it's called. But... He's been up for that award so many times, year after year, with the charity work he does, and yeah, he's such yeah. a just, just a great guy. Like honestly, that's kind of what a teammate you want on your team, and especially a goalie you want on your team. Such a leader, such an influential influential player on your team, and yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be terrible to see Lundqvist out of the picture this year. And I mean, I'm really hoping he comes back next year stronger than ever, but with on heart condition, it's very scary, and you don't want to kind of push that in a way to play hockey because your life and your heart is more important than playing meaningful hockey games. So I'm hoping Lundqvist can bounce back next year and we'll see him playing hockey very, very soon. So prayers up to Lundqvist. So the actual jokes (laughs) news that I want to get to is that yesterday, breaking news, TMZ reported that PK Subban and Lindsey Vaughn call off their engagement after exactly one year of being engaged. They were dating for three years. So this is going to send ripples throughout the hockey market, man. Like, (laughs) PK, <laughs> I just, it's so weird how this happened again for Lindsey Vaughn because she's, yeah, she's been around now. Yep. Everyone thought she was finally going to be off the market. They got engaged last year. Nope. Now they're they're going their separate ways. Still going to be friends, I guess. But I just wanted to get this jokes news in. Yeah. PK, you, man. Yeah, you see all the Instagram videos and now it's, well, it just means nothing. Yep so much posting of their relationship and then now it's all gone yeah honestly like celebrity couples don't work out i'm sorry like i've not, i haven't seen one really like no it's very rare so yeah well hopefully pk bounces back maybe that's the problem that was holding him back this whole year <laughs> yeah hopefully maybe that now the guy's gonna turn into 2013 norris winning sue band yeah let's hope <laughs> all right now we're gonna get into our the, basically, since we were over 30 minutes already just talking about the news, now we're going to get into the next section of the episode, and that's going to predict just the division winners for each of the four divisions. So we'll start off here with the North Division. And Thomas, would you like to go first with your predictions? Yeah, I'll go first. So I recently wrote an article for the Breakdown Sports, and it's been online for, I think, the past uh, week and a half. So the division I had, the winners, the top four winners that will go into the Stanley Cup playoffs are the Leafs, Calgary Flames, the Edmonton Oilers, and Winnipeg Jets. Uh, just basically quick analysis of this. I think the Leafs have the probably the best team on paper, and that's not a bias because I think anyone probably would put the, the Toronto Maple Leafs in a top two position in, the, in, their, uh, in their division. The Calgary Flames made some adjustments this offseason. Yeah, Chris Tanev's on that lucrative deal, but hey, he's an upgrade to what they had. And Jacob Markstrom uh, in the backbone of your net, I think that's an upgrade instantly over Talbot and Riddick. So hopefully Markstrom can have the season he had in Vancouver last year and put it to the Calgary Flames organization. And some other other um, players on their team were injured in the uh, playoffs as well. 
I think Kachuk was out for a few games. So they're looking for Johnny Goudreau to have a bounce back. That's going to be the pinnacle of their team. That's going to be the tipping point of their team, actually. If he can play good hockey, they're going to make the playoffs. If he can't, they're going to very struggle to make that Stanley Cup playoff spot. And the Edmonton Oilers, I think it's pretty simple. That their two players, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, are going to be very, very big um, players to get them into the Stanley Cup playoffs. Their goaltender is an issue, but if these two players can go lights out for them, then I think that's going to be the tipping point for them. And the Winnipeg Jets are a weird one. They do not really have a strong defensive core on their team, but I have them in because their top six is better than the teams, I think, below them. And that may be a hot take, but with Mark Scheifele, Line A, Ehlers, Wheeler, and Paul Stasny out of the second line center, I think it's a lot better than the other teams behind them. Vancouver, you can argue, but I think Winnipeg has a strong forward group. And then Hellebuck, obviously winning the Vesna. I mean, you got to give credit to Connor Hellebuck. He could probably step up for the Winnipeg Jets this season, steal a few games for them. So Toronto, Calgary, Edmonton, and Winnipeg are mine. Who are yours, Joe? So my first two are going to be the exact same as yours. I have Toronto, Calgary in the one-two spots. Like you said, Toronto's the best team on paper, and they upgraded this offseason in terms of not as talented probably, but they needed to fill holes that they had that they were lacking in for the last couple of years, I think. A lot of veterans they added. They added Brody, obviously their biggest acquisition in the offseason. So I have them number one. Like Even if they're two, they'll be top two for sure. Then number two, Calgary, like you have. So they had they obviously added Markstrom on that big six year thirty six million dollar deal, but he is definitely worth it, given the last three years he's been one of the most underrated goalies in the year, I mean uh, in the NHL sorry, and they added uh, like you said Tanev they did lose Brody I don't understand that move they could have just kept Brody and not signed Tanev but whatever, and uh, like you said the biggest question marks around in Calgary is can Johnny Drew and Sean Monaghan bounce back because Sean Monaghan had a down year last year as well and if they could get if Monaghan can get back to 30 goals 70 points and Goudreau 80 to 90 points then they'll be definitely be top two so I have a little bit of a bias here at number three I have Montreal in at three but I could see them being fourth as well so they had probably the best offseason they were quote-unquote the winners of the offseason by a lot of uh, people in the media and I think they had one of the best off-seasons as well. Just completely addressed the backup goaltending, added depth on defense, addressed uh, their, their forward group by uh, trading for Anderson, signing to Foley. And plus, they're really preying on the emergence of Suzuki and Kakanyemi mm-hmm. this year, especially Suzuki. He could potentially be their first-line center this year. And then they have some question marks, of course. Like, they don't have really an elite, elite player yet mm-hmm. that to develop. So that's going to be a question mark compared to, like, like the Matthews and the Goudreaux and the McDavid's of the Canadian division or whatever. So I have them at three, but I could easily see them being fourth. And then fourth, I actually switched. I had Vancouver here originally, but then I was just thinking, like, I can't really count out McDavid and Dreisaitl because they're the two of the top, like, three players in the league right now. Yeah. So I have them at the fourth spot, even though their goaltending is very sus and their defense took a hit because Clefbaum's out for the year. They did sign Tyson Berry, so that power play is going to be probably number one in the league. I think they were yeah, number one be. in the league last year as well. Mm-hmm. So with him being added, is just going to make it better. So um, I think just they're going to outscore their problems a lot like they did last year to make like the bubble and stuff like that. So I think they'll be in the fourth spot. Vancouver, the reason I removed them is because Thinking about it, Markstrom was literally the MVP of their team last year. Yeah. And he's gone now. Like, I know they signed Holpe, 
and obviously Thatcher Demko is there now. They're, they're going to rely, they're going to pray that Demko can be like how he played in the bubble or close to it. So yeah. I don't know if that's going to happen again. And then they lost to Foley for nothing. They obviously they they added eight Nate Schmidt when they lost Tanev, which is a solid addition. But I think they have to rely on like everyone had a career year last year. You look at yeah, JT yeah. Miller, Pedersen, no, yeah. <laughs> all of those guys. Hughes, you're, if Hughes has another like all those guys have to have another fantastic year for them to make it, in my opinion. Yep, I agree. And then their bottom like D pairing is going to be Jack Rathbone and Jordy Ben. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> or Oli Ulevi, who hasn't played an NHL game besides the bubble games. So, yes, yeah, big... he is a bust right now. If you yeah, bi- yeah, big question marks in Vancouver. And that's why I have them out, because big question marks around their team. Hopefully they can back, bounce back and kind of make that, but I don't see it. I had them fifth. I had their Montreal Canadiens at sixth. Does that offend you in any way? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you and Russo are not going to be good friends, because he did not like the moves the Montreal Canadiens made, but that uh, that'll be another day I'll... Yeah, that'll be another day to discuss the Montreal Canadiens offseason. We go to the East. The All East right. division, we kind of talked about this at the start of the episode. It is a stacked division. I honestly feel bad for leaving out the teams that I did in my article that will be up soon. But uh, the teams that I have on the top four spots making the playoffs is the Flyers winning the division, Pittsburgh, Washington, then Boston. I know every year I keep counting out the Bruins, but... This year especially, they're going to be out, be, out, be without Pasternak and Marchand to start the year. I mean, they could be out for 10 games. It could be about 20 games. They could be out for 30 games. That is going to hurt so massively to the Bruins' offensive core because Bergeron has, is, going to, is going to have to carry the load with guys like Andre Kasha, Jake DeBrusque, David Krejci. And there's a theme with the Bruins with Bergeron and Krejci. They're walking panes of glass sometimes. So if Bergeron goes down, this team is going to be very, very thin at the center position, so I'm not hoping Bergeron gets injured, but I'm just saying we've seen year after year Bergeron can't play a full season, so maybe he does go down with an injury. But the players, the two players that are injured are the engine of the Boston Bruins team. Tory Krug, they also lost in the offseason, didn't replace him. Uh, Zdeno Chara is not signed yet, probably going to re-sign for a cheap contract. But if he's not, that's your captain, that's your leader, that's probably your best defender besides Brandon Carlo and Charlie McAvoy. So big losses for the Bruins. That's why I have them at the fourth slot, but I obviously can't count them out because they're the Bruins. Washington at three. I don't know. Like, I'm not a massive fan of the Washington Capitals, but I have them at three for the reason that Ovechkin can score at will. I mean, their power play is just unbelievable. Their offensive weapons are unbelievable. Just goaltending. Obviously, Lundqvist they're going to miss as the backup, but can Ilya Samsonov play a full year? We'll see. And then with the Pittsburgh Penguins, they were the third seed last year going into the bubble where the season was canceled. And they had so many injuries last year with Crosby going down, Malkin going down, Gensel going down, Latang going down. Every single one of the players you can name, I wrote it in the article, they, no one played a full game for their team in the season. So if they can all, health is the number one thing for them. If they could all play a full season, I think they're a deadly weapon to uh, kind of compete against because of the additions they had as well. So, and then with the Flyers, they did nothing, and I think doing nothing in the offseason was a good thing for them to keep the core of their team together. They added Eric Gustafson. Uh, Shane Gosper is a big question mark for their team. But when you're backbone with Carter Hart at the AGS is 22, it's going to be incredible what the Flyers can do with the core. They've built this team uh, to rise and kind of make that playoff spot to have them winning the division. So we'll go on to you, Joe. 
So this is a bit of a hot take. Like I, I'm not super confident in this, but I have Boston winning the East Division, and the only reason I have them winning the East Division is because since Mark Shane and Pasnak are out, they're gonna be lower to start the year. But I think this is like I said, a hot take. I think they're just gonna catch fire, and then I think this is gonna be probably one of the closest divisions with the North Division. So I think Boston might edge out Philadelphia, who I have second for the division lead, but. They could definitely finish fourth like you have. So like I only have them there because it's kind of like a hot take because they were so dominant last year. And obviously they lost so many, like they have a lot of key losses, but they have to really rely on some of their draft picks stepping up like Zobril on defense. And they obviously signed Craig Smith, who's like obviously not expected to score like 30, 40 goals, but they have to expect him at least at the start of the year to, to click with Bergeron Krejci as the centers. So uh, this is only like, I only have them there as a hot take, but I kind of fully expect Philadelphia to win, who I have second. Mm -hmm. The only reason why I don't have them is the loss of Matt Niskanen to that decor, especially to Provorov, cannot be understated. Watching them against Montreal, specifically in that series, they were by far their best pairing, Provorov and Niskanen. And him Mm -hmm. surprisingly retiring with one year left at $5.5 is a big hit. Like you said, they signed... Um, Eric, Eric Gustafson. Gustafson. Yeah, they signed Eric Gustafson to a cheap deal, but he's not the same player as Niskanen. And uh, like you said, doing nothing was probably the best move for Philly because they do have young guys like Frost and uh, guys like that, like Connect Me and stuff like that to take over. It's continued their development with, of course, Couturier, Giroud, Voracek, Kevin Hayes for their top six, top nine. But just the Niskanen loss is big. And then Carter Hart, He's going to be in line for a big payday, so it's going to be up to him to have a really great season, which I fully believe that he will. So I have them two, but they definitely could finish one. Then Washington, like mm-hmm. you, I have at three. So obviously with a Lundqvist, they don't have a backup goaltender, so they had to offer Craig Anderson a PTO mm-hmm. for that backup spot. Um, like I, like you said, Ovechkin, you can't count him out anymore. The guy, yeah, exactly. 56 yeah. games, he could probably score you 35 goals still, like no problem. If he stays healthy, which he always does, mm-hmm. um, they don't have many additions. Well, they signed Justin Schultz, which is a, to an okay contract, not the greatest contract, but probably an upgrade. They lost Racco Gudis, I believe, on the back end, but not too many additions or subtractions for Washington. Well, they lost Braden Holtby, but that was kind of yeah. like a foregone conclusion. And then Pittsburgh, the reason I have them at fourth is that they essentially changed half the roster in the offseason. They acquired so many players and subtracted so many players that i don't know like the chemistry in the room like obviously you can't Mm -hmm. you can't count out malkin crosby letang that core but they obviously they have like zucker gensel there as their wingers but then they traded away a guy like hornquist who's like a hard soul guy Mm -hmm. they they changed half their defense they got they signed they traded for kasperi kapanen they got they got rid of a lot to get him for some reason um I just think there's too many changes that they had. Like, yeah. they're still going to make it no problem, I think. But it's just there's too many changes that they might slide a little bit. Yeah, and just uh, your quick thoughts on who's on the bubble for that uh, division. Who's you have on the, on the um, fifth slot who can who can easily make it, but, like, just, oh, man, you, like, just can't put them there right now. Hmm. Let me take a look at the realignment and let me see. Because I had one in mind, but I need to see the other ones to make sure. Okay, I can go for first. Miss. Yeah, go first. 
Yeah, I have the Rangers just because all the young players that they're going to kind of plop in their lineup is going to be a very helpful help to them. Uh, they didn't really score besides Zabinijad, Panarin, and Kreider last year, which was not a line, but on the power play, they were forced to reckon with. And Igor Shosturkin, a full year of him, as could be a Rookie of the Year award for him, but they have to all play good and have to have a team effort. And another one, like another team I just keep doubting is the Islanders, man. Like yeah. they, they don't come to me on paper as a great team, but then when you see them on the ice, wow, like their defensive style of play just kind of is like unbelievable to watch, but I have them at six. I have the Rangers at five on the bubble. Uh, do you have a team now that you can put on the bubble? It's going to be tough. Like, I think like the Rangers have so much more skill, but like defensively they're awful. Like they were bad last year too. And they were bailed out by solid goaltending performances. Like they have decent defensemen, like Adam Fox, Truba, Tony, Bobby or D'Angelo. <laughs> And they have, like, Ryan Lindgren, who's going to come. They have Kevon Miller, who's probably going to step in. But that's, like, they're not, like, okay, Truba, they have to hope to bounce back defensively. Like, defensively, they were just bad. And like you said, they didn't have many guys that could score outside that top line. But mm-hmm. now they're going to hope for a, a bounce back from Capocacco. And, of course, their number one overall pick, Lafreniere. So I might have them at fifth. But it, like you said, I can't doubt the Islanders. The Islanders could very easily make it into the fourth spot in this division because of how they, they play winning hockey. They made the, the Eastern Conference Finals last year. They pushed Tampa to six games. So, like, it's tough. <laughs> this is, like we said before at the start, this is the hardest division probably for sure. Yeah, I agree. So we're going to keep tabs on that division. That is a great division. And we're going to go to the Central now. You can go first. I think we have, yeah, we have the same. So you Yeah, can... we have the exact same ones here. So I have Tampa winning this one. Uh pretty obvious even with the loss of Kutra like you mentioned earlier they still have a cup contending team mm-hmm. it's going to be a short off season for them because like obviously they just won the cup at the end of September so they only had about two and a half or so months off which is yep. a lot longer than the NBA off season but <laughs> still short like nonetheless and they had a, a couple of roster changes mostly just depth pieces leaving and they re-signed like a guy like Patty Maroon, yep. Kevin Shattenkirk left in free agency. So a couple losses here and there, but overall not too bad. Kutrov is obviously the biggest one, but if they have like some of their guys step up, especially like someone like a Taylor Radish potentially mm-hmm. stepping up a little bit because he was a first round pick a few years ago, but they're, I think they're still clearly the best team in the division. And then at number two, I have Carolina, three, Nashville, and fourth, Dallas. So Carolina, no, no real changes this uh, offseason. They lost, they had so many defensemen at the end of last year. So they just kind of like got rid of them. Like they traded Joel Edmondson for a pick to Montreal. And then they let Sammy Vatanen walk. But I think this team with Sveshnikov, Aho, Teravine, and like that line is elite, one of the mm-hmm. best in the league. Sveshnikov, I'm in awe of. He's probably one of my favorite players in the league like young players specifically, their decor is still solid as ever. Just still question marks about their goaltending with Reimer yeah. and Mrazic. So that's the only thing holding them back, I think. And then Nashville at three, they they had a down, down year last year, and they still made the bubble, <laughs> even though they lost in the play around to friggin' Arizona. Yeah, yeah. But they are praying, praying for bounce back years from literally every player, Arvidsson, Forsberg, Johansson, Duchesne. The only consistent player was by far was Yossi, who won the Norris, obviously, so he's got to keep up that play. And now they're going to see probably the transition of UC Saros and Pekka Rene. Rene was bad last year. He looks like he's kind of toast because he's, like, old now. 
Yeah, yeah. So I th- I think they'll bounce back most of their players, and then Dallas at four. So they barely sneak in just because Sagan's gonna miss a ton of time. He's probably their best offensive player, and then everyone had a down year last year, and they still made the finals. So I can't really doubt the mix of players they have. They have two studs on the blue line in Heiskanen and Klinberg. Yep. Of course, they re-signed Hudobin, they re-signed Guryanov, all those guys. Mm-hmm. Yanmark, I think, left, and they re-signed someone else I'm forgetting right now. But I think it's just the health of the team because Bishop is kind of really off and on. Yeah. Plus, Sagan's out long-term. Like I think they'll barely make it, but what do you have as yours? Yeah, same as you, Tampa, Carolina, Nashville, Dallas. If I'm gonna, I, Obviously, we already know Tampa is good, so I'm not going to really talk about them. Carolina is also very good, but... The Predators are an interesting team because, like you said, if they can't get a bounce back a year from every player on the roster, basically, besides the guy named Roman Yossi, who's the captain and won the Norris Trophy, they're going to very struggle and probably have to change the direction of their team very, very quickly because they signed a lot of guys to a lot of term and they just not kind of performed. So I'm really keeping my eye on them because they also signed Eric Haula and Miko Granlin. So... Hopefully this team can get back to the playoffs and kind of win and have success in there because they have some, they had young guys and they made the finals a few years ago and we're excited to see all those young guys kind of pan out and keep doing this. But since that Winnipeg loss in the playoffs in the second round, they have not been the same team. So then going to Dallas, I don't know if the magic can continue for them. Their defensive play is unbelievable. We've seen that in the playoffs as they went to the final. But can Ben Bishop and Anton Kudobin be that pairing that kind of takes and steals games for them in the season? We'll see. Their offense is a question mark because obviously Seganzo, he's probably their best offensive player. And with Gurionov, that's their other offensive player. They got to get bounce backs for some players. So I'm excited to see what teams could kind of make that central division spot. But we can go ahead and go to the West division. I have Vegas, Colorado, the Blues. And the San Jose Sharks, which could be surprising for some, but I have them there as the fourth slot. I think, Joe, you have... Yeah, you could say yours. So I have basically the first two switched, and then with Colorado winning, Vegas second, and then St. Louis, San Jose as the three, fourth spot. Yeah, like with Colorado, like I want to put them in the number one slot because of McKinnon, but I don't... No, I'm not going to say that. Like, I think they have a good team, very solid team. Like, it's one of the best in the league just... Vegas might edge them out in goaltender-wise with Fleury and Leonard. Like, I don't know if I can trust Grubauer and Frank Kuz a full season. And last year, like, they were obviously kind of trustworthy, but they got injured so many times. Like, Grubauer got injured in the year, in the bubble. Francis got injured in the year, in the bubble. Like, I don't know if I could trust that goaltender tandem as much as Leonard and Fleury. But both have solid teams. Both are going to be top two in this division for sure. And the Blues I have at three. They're just obviously a solid team, even without Tarasenko adding Hoffman. That's an, that's an incredible add. And when Tarasenko comes back, they're going to be on fire. And then the San Jose Sharks I have because I said this like a month ago. I think they're going to really bounce back this year because when you have guys like Couture as your captain, Burns and Carlson, you can't expect a bad year from them every year. And that's what they kind of had last year. Hurdle got injured, so... I'm hoping they're, well, let's hope their backup goalies, uh, Jones and Dubnik, can kind of be competent in the net because if they are, they're going to definitely make the playoffs because their division is not the greatest. So we'll see who's the bubble team. Maybe Minnesota, they made some additions. They're going to add some young guys, but I have the San Jose Sharks at four. So I have Colorado obviously first, and the reason for that is because they literally got better when they were one of the best teams in the West last year. 
with adding Devon Taves and Brandon Saad into the mix. And they didn't really lose anyone at all either. So that was a big win for Joe Sakic and the Colorado Avalanche. And then Vegas, obviously the biggest flash with signing Petrangelo in the offseason. But there's been problems with this signing. Yes, it's good on paper, but did they really need Petrangelo? Because the problem they had in the bubble was that they couldn't score for shit against Vancouver and Dallas. They barely won the Vancouver series going to seven games because they couldn't score on Demko or Markstrom. And then for Dallas, Hudobin just outplayed uh, Leonard, basically. So I think they, they're they terrible at center. That's their biggest weakness, I think. And basically, you have William Carlson and Chandler Stevenson as their centers. And there's always these rumors of trading players all the time. It's like yeah. a rotating door. Like yeah, All I these know. rumors now, Pacioretty's on the trading block. He was arguably their best forward last year in terms of production, even though Mark Stone's their best forward overall. But, like, like, you can't always... And they just traded Stastny away, even though they just signed mm-hmm. him, like, not even two <laughs> years ago. So, like, it's like there's no trust in that organization. It's like the owner... And I think the owner is to blame here. He keeps going for big names. <laughs> I know. for Leonard when he's hot. Signing Petrangelo, going for Pacioretty, going for Stone. Like, all these... Ever since they went to that finals, like, he's obsessed with getting these big <laughs> players. And they just keep changing. Like, they're up against the cap, which is fine. They had to trade out Nate Schmidt whatever because they have Petrangelo now but mm-hmm. I just don't think it was necessary like I would have rather them sign more depth uh, either centers or wingers yeah keep maybe. that same deep core because that deep core was very solid last year mm-hmm. and obviously the, they re-signed Leonard which was a good thing so that duo is very good but that's why they have a second I just think their center depth is weak and then St. Louis I have at three they took up not really a step back because they lost Petrangelo they re-signed Krug they're gonna sign Hoffman here but there's question marks about Bennington now. Yeah. Because he was not that good last year. He was about an average goalie. Obviously, rode his ass all the way to the cup in 2019. And then he hasn't... So, I think he only has one year left because they signed him to a bridge year. Bridge deal, I believe, after that cup win. So, he needs to prove that he's a starting NHL caliber goaltender. And I think he is, but... He has, to, with no Jake Allen, who's one of the best backups in the league last year, to back him up. He got two rookies now. It's going to be tough. And then San Jose, like you said, their goaltending's horrendous still. They somehow <laughs> got worse in goal by adding Doobie, for God's sake. Yeah, but I just I think the rest of the division's awful. Like, you have Arizona, I think. Like, the Anaheim, LA. Like, those teams are awful. So. Yeah. I think they're just going to all bounce back. Like, Couture got injured. Hurdle got injured. Like, they had basically the two best forwards go out at the same time Mm -hmm. for long term. So, I think if they're all healthy, they bounce back. Burns will bounce back. Carlson, they'll pray that he's healthy for the first time since he was in Ottawa. (laughs) I know. He's been off since March, so he can't be injured. (laughs) No excuse. (laughs) No excuses. Or else the guy's horrible. Like, I don't even think he would be good anymore if he doesn't bounce back. But they're in the fourth spot for me. Yeah. That's it. I mean, those were our predictions, I think. Yeah, like, honestly, well, the Central and East, I think... No, wait, is it... I don't know who would meet in the conference finals for each division, but I know the North, there's going to be one Canadian team in the conference finals, but I don't know who they're going to play. I think it's the East Division. I think it's the East Division. And, and then, then Central, Central and West. West. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be <laughs> weird, because I don't know if, about you, but this might be weirder than last year. Yeah, for sure. The bubble. Especially with the Canadian teams. Like, this is, like, CFL levels yeah. of, like, Canadian sports. Like, it's just, 
it's gonna be so weird like seeing the Leafs play Montreal 10 times this year 10 yeah that's crazy like it, it's gonna be like it's gonna I think like for the players they're gonna get so pissed at each other but for me personally I'm gonna lose like the luster of it like it's gonna look so good them playing all the Canadian teams but by the time it's like seven eight ninth I'm gonna be like okay like we get it like yeah exactly like it's like can I see someone else play like <laughs> That's the only problem I have with it, but it's still, like, sick, though. Yeah, hopefully fans are loud in the building when it's, like, March, April time, because it should get a bit better. Like, maybe not full capacity, but some fans in there, sprinkle some. It'll be fun to see Canadian fans kind of go bows to bows with each other. But you had a hot take you wanted to say. Did you want to mention that now? Yeah, so this is Joe's spicy meatball of the episode, and this one is not too much of a stretch but the spicy meatball of this episode i'm not sure if you'll agree with me is that the winner of the north division will make the stanley cup final i don't think that's yeah that is spicy but like they're one of them is going to the conference finals so i mean if they're they, they have a chance i mean if you get rolling and some of the teams that are in the north division if they get rolling they all have competent goalies i wouldn't disagree so if you get a hot goalie like freddie price uh hellebuck well, maybe not Mike Smith, but uh, like Markstrom and stuff like that. Uh, you can honestly see a Canadian team finally in the finals. And this is going to be the best chance to go to the finals if you're a Canadian team. Exactly, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. I I would agree, honestly. I think okay. it's I think it might happen this year. Hopefully it's the Leafs. So. Let's just hope they win a playoff series first. That is also very true. Because I we honestly haven't done just want since. to see them win a series. Like It's actually getting annoying that they can't because they have way too many good players. Yeah, that's honestly pretty sad, like, saying, I just wanted them to win a series. That's kind of embarrassing. I'm a, I am hate them, and I want them to win a fucking series. Yeah, honestly, getting to the second round is an accomplishment in itself in such a uh, weird way, but I don't, know if, I don't know if the same excitement would be there if they're in the finals, but we'll see what happens. I don't know. They're, they've got question marks, so we'll see what happens, but I think that's pretty much it from my standpoint i intend just keep looking out for the articles the predictions are coming out obviously i revealed the top four but i didn't reveal the rest of the vision for those other divisions the west and the central so keep tabs on that joe do you have anything to keep tabs on uh i'll probably have an article potentially doing a like a prediction video maybe mm-hmm. or not video an article for the nhl maybe a couple like bold predictions for the like five bold predictions for the upcoming season so stuff that we d- i didn't talk about in this podcast i might do one just before the puck drop on january 13th so look out for that one all right i think that's it for me we will be back next time join us Woo!